For the last special E3 episode of DLC for 2014. That's right, all week long, DLC has meant your daily live coverage of E3. We've been here all week long, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, and now we're wrapping it up Thursday night, talking about all the games and announcements of the E3 video game convention here in sunny Los Angeles, where our newspaper of note thinks that Nintendo makes PlayStations. This show and all the shows this week have been made possible by our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace! They are bringing the show to you absolutely free, and we appreciate that. Uh, This is a very special episode. Uh, I have with me, as always, my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, um, producers on the line. If we can get maybe that tweet out, uh, people are saying they don't hear us right now. I don't know if I see it coming out of the five by five feed. Uh, some there's some business for people. Um, I don't know what the dealio is, but hello, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad I'm back. I had fun calling in. And if there's a little background noise on my end, it's because I'm in, off in the wilderness in Wyoming. No, it's uh, there might be a little noise, but I'm happy to be here. and It's going to be a great show. Awesome. We are also very excited to have a a new guest, one that I'm very pleased to welcome. Ashley Escueda is here. She is the senior editor at CNET and host of Tomorrow Daily, which is a brand new show that's going to debut on Monday. Welcome, Ashley. Hey guys, so good to be here. I'm glad I glad I made it. I had to I had to run over some people, but I made it. Well, I'm sure that was that was worthwhile. Uh, totally you worth spent, it. I'm sure you spent most of your day running over virtual people at E3 all all day today. There was a lot of that. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know those French aristocrats; they're not going to kill themselves. <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, we we all have been enjoying E3 this week. It's finally reached its stunning conclusion, and uh, we're going to try to put this baby to bed today with uh, picks for our favorite games of the show, things that we've been seeing. We'll hear about. Ashley's uh, hands-on first-person stuff from today. And we're going to get your phone calls, as we always do, to find out what you guys have been excited about, watching streams and hearing about the new games that have been announced. Uh, and you can call in 512-518-5714. Again, 512-518-5714. If you're listening live, we'd love to hear from you. In fact, I believe we have a very special guest already on the line um, let's see if, uh, I can remember the phone number that he's calling from and it is, uh, it's David. There it is. David Nottingham, uh, the designer of really one of Christian's big surprises from, from yesterday's show. Um, Christian, why don't you, uh, introduce us to David? Yeah. Hi, David. Can you hear us? Yes. Uh, I was going to say sorry for uh, messing up your stream there, um, but I'm glad to have taken care of that. Here I am. No, not at all. We, we're glad to have you. Uh, Christian was so impressed by the game. I went and checked it out today, and and uh, it's it's a wonderful, as you said, a wonderful art style. It's this 2D side scroller, except for when it's not, <laughs> which I thought was was so clever and so. Cool. Um, tell us a little bit about Counter Spy. <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, you know, it's the first game from from our studio. We're, we're kind of small, um, studio Dynamite based up in San Francisco. Uh, a bunch of ex Lucas Arts folks. Uh, after the sort of sad end of that once awesome, um, you know, company. Um, uh, plus uh, some guys from Pixar, uh, which is probably something that you may pick up from the the art style. Um, so you know, the visual style is something really obviously care a lot about. Um, so the game, the game, I think um, when I talked to Christian about it, the game, the game is basically a side-scrolling action, action stealth game. Uh, I kind of like that description. It's a side-scroller, except when it's not. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, we love side-scrolling action games. Uh, we played a ton of them as kids. Like, I, all of us on the team, we have different games that we can inspired us, whether it was Metroid or Flashback, or a lot of people see the rolling thunder in the game. Um, but we, we kind of wanted to do a bit of a modern take on it. And um, and so for us, you know, we're building the game fully in 3D. And so uh, we realized that what we could do with that was, um, you know, have your, your character running around the world in sort of the traditional classic uh, side-scrolling view, um, but then you have all these cover areas where you can pop into cover, hide, and then swing the camera around into more of a full 3D view. Um, and then you can kind of engage uh, enemies. You can you know, surgically take out guys with headshots, or if you want to, you can just sort of cause all chaos and mayhem with your, with your sort of less stealthy weapons. Um, the, uh, the game just Interrupt me if you have any questions. Um, the game is, uh, yeah, it's a Cold War setting. Um, it's uh, it's sort of our alternate take on the Cold War. It's very much not meant to be kind of taken seriously. It's not a historically accurate uh, portrayal of the Cold War. Um, but uh, essentially, you've got these uh, two sides, these two superpowers. You've got the imperialists and the socialists. Um, and they're kind of facing off on this uh, space race, but they're not trying to put a man on the moon, they're trying to launch um, a nuclear missile rocket. Um, it seems like a bad idea to you, and you are an agent for counter. Um, counter is this kind of rogue spy agency that uh, um, basically is out to try and prevent that from happening. Yeah, you, you referenced uh, Rolling Thunder, and I, I certainly got that vibe from it. But it is really cool, as you describe, when it transitions from the, the 2D into that. 3D, more of a traditional cover-based shooter, third-person cover-based shooter mechanic. I thought that was very clever. Um, Christian, explain a little bit about what made it so appealing to you. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was the art style and then the fluidity of the movement and the controls were really spot on where, you know, when you found a place to duck behind cover and then take aim, you know, I feel like a lot of times... You know, you'll see a, a, a really gorgeous game, fluid animating game, and then sometimes you get stuck in animation roles, which I guess, you know, Dark Souls people like that aspect of it, but I can find it frustrating. But I thought it, you know, it responded quickly to what I wanted to do. It had, it's not taking itself seriously, as David was saying, the conflict is, you know, kind of made up. But as you told me yesterday, David, you know, based on the somewhat re- true, true reality of, of when we wanted to blow up the moon. <laughs> um, and it's, it's just really cool mixing the stealth. I love that side-scrolling stealth. I loved Mark of the Ninja, which is also a gorgeous 2D, you know, stealth game. 
And then I really like the spy versus spy kind of feel and atmosphere to it. I grew up on those comics as a kid. You know, they have a cheeky sense of humor and they don't take themselves too seriously. And I kind of got that vibe from this game as well. And then at the IndieCade booth where I first got hands on with it, you know, it was quieter over there than Sony's Hall and I had the headphones on and the soundtrack was great. And you guys are doing something special with the soundtrack you were telling me? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're sort of, it's a little bit, um, it's kind of a little bit of an unofficial guerrilla thing, but um, the music was composed by a friend of ours, Jesse Harlan, who would work for LucasArts, and it's it's very much in that kind of classic um, Bond sort of 50s jazz era. So some, one of the things we want to do is do just a kind of a limited edition vinyl pressing so we get all the music on there. Um, and Mark, who's our art director, um, you know, he really geeks out on doing all the kind of graphic design for stuff like that. So he designed the album cover. It looks like an old sort of Blue Note album. And then we wrote all those pretentious liner notes on the back. So I don't know if you've ever sort of looked at the back of like an old jazz album, but they always had these like uber sort of pretentious like, oh, I was sitting in the back of the village cat bag guard and so it sort of <laughs> came out in a smoky bar and all this sort of stuff. And so it, it, it's sort of an extension of kind of how we wanted to be playful with the world that we're trying to create. Um, you mentioned Spivey Spy, like I totally grew up in Spivey Spy. Like I read all my dad's mad magazines when I was a kid as well. So I think there's probably just kind of a lot of different things that you pick up on as you're growing up. Um, you know, being a huge Bond fan as well. Um, and you kind of all pull together when you're coming up with a new a game you want to make. Um, and I should say it too, like I, I was sort of thinking about this today because obviously we pretty much just spent the last three days talking uh, nonstop about the game. Um, but it does sort of make you think about some of the things about how you kind of got to where the game is. Um, and I really realized, like, one of the reasons why I I kind of love games right now and I love kind of being part of a small team before we're doing Final Night is I feel like there's so many games out there now that are built by smaller teams where you really get a sense of, sort of the personality of the people on the project. You know, like, the game is very much an extension of kind of who they are and what their influences were. And I feel like this is definitely kind of that for, for us. Yeah, so I'm excited. Cool, it's it's on it's on Vita, so you know I'm excited about it. I'm I'm a big Vita guy. And if people want to find out more, Dynamite's website is D Y N A M I G H T Y dot com, and you are David Naughty on Twitter, N O T T Y. Mm-hmm. I know you've had a long E3. You've been talking about this game a lot, but we really really appreciate you coming on this show and chatting with us and um i know i'm certainly excited to see the game this summer because you know vita love you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks for taking the time David. yeah really no, appreciate it. no problem guys thank you sorry about these audio issues this phone's getting thrown out the window right this call <laughs> no, not at all man have a get some rest we appreciate yeah. it yeah thank you right. take care everyone Awesome. I think I know what the issue was. Uh, You know, we forgot to start the hype train. Oh, man. How could you forget? We got to start that right now. Kick it, Miranda. Chugga, 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 chugga. 
That's kind of amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we're, uh, we're very pleased with that. And yet I always forget to play it right at the beginning of the show. And uh, really, the last, it's the last time we're ever going to get to play that uh, until, well, until next year, that is. It, um, but if you had played it before, we wouldn't have, you, other people wouldn't hear it. Exactly. Because we had all those issues. Exactly. All right. Ashley, tell me, uh, tell me some of the things that you saw at E3, the things that you got you most excited Oh man, there was there was so much this year, which was great because last year it was all about consoles. It was all about oh, it's Xbox One and PS4, and now it's games, 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 which is really always the best year to go. Is the year after a console has consoles come out. So so many good games. Uh, in particular, today, uh, fresh in my mind, I saw some really good indie games. I really loved Ori and the Blind Forest. Oh, which so beautiful, right? Oh my goodness. It was, I got chills watching the opening cinematic. It was very upsetting and sad and, and it had so much heart and talking to the development team, it was really cool to learn that almost, I think almost or every developer lives in a different country of that game. And they, the guy from Microsoft was saying that, I think he was the design director was saying that they all five years ago, that game could not have been made because technology did not exist to sort of send builds to each other all the time. And he was like, you know, we we would not have been able to work uh, as much and as quickly as we were able to, which I just thought was fascinating. Super cool, yeah. Really neat. And I played Sunset Overdrive, and I have to say I'm converted. I was very skeptical about it. I was like, yeah, that looks pretty awesome, but I don't know if I would enjoy it. Like, I'm just not sure. And mm-hmm. I saw, I played the eight-player multiplayer, and it was ridiculous. I mean, so much fun. Everybody's I think that's an, actually a great word for it, ridiculous. I mean, I think that they're embracing that ridiculousness. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just actually, so ultra-stylized and hyper-violent and huge guns. Colorful, I mean, I was shooting a yeah. gun that was like a Chinese firework. It was <laughs> yeah. so cool. Yeah, I got to see the uh, the little room demonstration that they were doing of the single player campaign mode and mm-hmm. they didn't show a ton more it still kind of took place in that same milieu that the multiplayer stuff was taking place in but they did talk about it in really interesting ways one of the things i don't know if this was on display in the multiplayer session cuz i didn't get to play that but uh, the way the meter works is that you know as you're stringing together uh, these cool moves and you're grinding on stuff and you're bouncing off of things and you're catapulting yourself in the air and hooking on things uh you are maintaining this style meter that keeps going up and up and it unlocks the amps that you have queued up that you you equipped on your character and then once you hit it has three levels of of trigger and once you hit each of those levels the your attacks start having the amp effect automatically so if you have an amp that for example adds a tornado to your swing um you just start shooting tornadoes off as long as you keep that multiplier going it's just, I think it's a really smart system of, of a way to, you don't have to keep shooting that. You can keep doing what you're doing, but it rewards you doing it well and with style. Right. And well, and I really liked that uh, a lot of people at Insomniac kept saying, you know, it's, it's so easy to pick up and play. And that's absolutely true. But it's also so hard to master. You know, so yeah. I have a feeling we're going to see some really interesting sort of, you know, maybe some competitive play that'll be really fun to watch with people who spend a lot of time with the game once it comes out and they're just so good at it. Those are always the most fun people to watch play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it definitely showed. I watched uh, the the 
designer playing it, and it definitely was skill based. It's not a game that mm-hmm. that's on rails by any stretch. Uh, yeah. The other and thing you can, that I thought you can was, hit a bunch of buttons and and do okay. Like I mean, it's it's definitely yeah. a game you could actually pick up and and be okay, and you you wouldn't feel like you were at some major disadvantage. But it's definitely people who are coming in first and uh, and developers watching them play is just a, a majorly different experience. Yeah. Another thing that they mentioned in the meeting that I thought was really interesting is that the way you'll unlock the amps is that you'll, as they do in many games, you'll find um, blueprints or recipes for certain amps and you'll have to collect components and assemble them. But they said that you specifically will not be um, assembling them in the way you do in a lot of games, like going to a workbench or something and pushing X and making it, that you will unlock the ability to do something in the game world that will unlock it, that will build the recipe. And I pressed them and asked them what that would be, and they said they're not ready to announce that yet, but it's a major, yeah, it's a major game system. So that sounds really interesting to me. So Yeah, I I like stuff like that a lot. I mean, I think that it's so hard to kind of innovate in that space. And so it's, it's really fun to sort of hear that they are hiding, you know, hiding something cool and different. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. Another multiplayer game that I played today was the very last thing I played today was Splatoon for the Wii U mm-hmm. of all things. And um, I am, I had a lot of fun playing it. It was very easy to play and but I am concerned about if it's just multiplayer, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure if it'll kind of fly as well as, say, a Mario Kart, where you can play that single player with all the Grand Prix, or you can play mm-hmm. the multiplayer, and then you can play online. Um, I don't know that it would be a $60 game if it's just a lot of, um, you know, that sort of paintball, squid squid paintball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly what Christian was saying the other night, and and I... I got hands on with it as well. And, and I can see what you guys mean. I, I think it would be brilliant of them to literally release exactly what they showed just that one level before the end of this year for like 10 bucks. I think that yeah, like a little, or even a free demo, just the first level and just try to, you know, work on the multi online multiplayer, some things like that. That would be great. I think that'd be phenomenal, but you know, hopefully if it is a $60 product, it will have some sort of more robust, content and and maybe even a, a single player section although it doesn't really feel like a single player game but yeah but no it, it fun, definitely right? doesn't i can't the only way i was thinking about it uh, as i was driving home today and the only way i could think they could accomplish sort of a single player not a campaign necessarily would be almost like smash tv if, mm-hmm. if anybody remembers that game i'm sorry sure, i'm yeah. totally revealing my age i'm such an old lady um where you would sort of clear a room uh, or one of the zones that they have, and you would have to get a certain percentage of ink on the ground and then also sort of splatter uh, enemies or maybe turrets that are shooting out other colored paint or something like that, and you just move on to the next room. It just opens a door mm. that goes on to the next. Yeah, I um, think that's a really great idea. Yeah. yeah, like that That seemed like a way to sort of do a single-player campaign because I I can't imagine there being sort of a platform. There, there's really no... I mean, it has a long ways to go before they launch it, but... Just currently, from what I played, it didn't seem like there was a, a real, you know, platformer or a single player campaign in that, uh, you know, in that thing. So I, yeah. I, I thought that that might be a good way to do it. Uh, if you're a fan of Smash TV, did you get a chance to see Assault Android Cactus on the show I, floor? Okay, 
I heard about this and I did not get to find it. I was so sad. I had rehearsal for my show every day this week. And so I had to leave the convention center by two every day. (laughs) So the first day I got in like two hours and I ran around the convention center and just tried to pick, just play as much as I could and then left. And then the last couple of days I've just been just trying to get two things that I saw that I wanted to see. Yeah. So yeah, well, that game, game definitely. Please explain. I'm dying to know now because that's an amazing name. Yeah, it is Assault Android Cactus, and uh, it, it's very much that sort of shmup, uh, bullet hell type of top down. Uh, you are you are robots in that very retro uh, feel, but very modern graphics, very modern look. And it was another one of the myriad uh, little indie games that were on display both at Sony and at uh, Microsoft. Oh, there was many good indies. Uh, yeah, Did you see uh, Love It is a Dangerous Space Time? I love that game so much. I saw it at uh, PAX East and I couldn't stop talking about it. Isn't it just the most charming thing ever? It is just charming as all get out. I could not believe just watching the television screen as the two devs were playing it. I I was mesmerized at how adorable and the art is just so clean and beautiful and it's one of those games where you can really tell that a lot of love went into making it and it's a very small team but it was I mean it was great and I loved watching you know this orb float around and these little characters are climbing up ladders and shooting the turrets and the the two guys were kind of working together to get through this area and man I was really charmed by it yeah if if uh, anybody listening doesn't hasn't had an experience with this game or didn't hear me talking about it uh, it it really is a wonderful idea it's a it's a platforming game inside of a shooter so the yeah. spaceship is the is this little house platforming shooter <laughs> yeah and the house floats through space and needs to be shooting at things in space like you would in any other shooter but the only way you can control it is by running around the house and there's different stages or little stations i should say inside yeah, the house rooms in the house yeah, like if you wanna if you wanna shoot a laser on the left hand side of the of the floating spaceship house you have to run to the left hand side little turret uh, station and use that. But if the bad guy goes on the right hand side, you're not going to be able to shoot him with that. So you have to get off that, jump down, run over, climb up a ladder and get to the other station on the other side. And there's two of you inside that house doing that and trying to communicate to one another and say, oh my gosh, we need over here on the left. Okay, run over to the shield and move the shield around. Okay, run over to the steering wheel and steer the ship. It's wacky yeah. fun. It's so much fun. It was just so cute. And I I love platformers. That's like my number one love. I mean, I went crazy for Super Mario Brothers 3D World last year and uh, and got to I beat Champions Road and that was a big accomplishment for me. And nice. uh and I just loved uh, I love well-controlled, you know, games that have these sort of, you know, skill to them but not necessarily something that is uh just run in with guns, guns, guns. That's I, I love those games, but I really have a deep uh, affection, a long time. That's my that's my Mary. That's I would date a really great, you know, <laughs> shooter or something like, you know, something like that. But platformers are my deep. Uh, that's my marriage. I've been married to platformers my whole life. Yeah, and that's a game that doesn't ask you to choose one or the other. It gives you both. No, it's really cool, yeah. and uh, and I really loved it. I I also loved. I played. You know, I gotta say, this is. I'm gonna sound like such a little sappy uh, girl right now, but I loved Yoshi's Woolly World. Oh, what's not to love? I, if if that oh, makes me a sappy it, girly girl, then my tell heart me just love. turned into yarn. It was the cute. I, it was so saccharine. I have diabetes now. I can't. I it was. I, it was. So it's beautiful. Sweet. I call it whimsy. And I am a it is very sucker whimsical. for whimsy. Yes. 
I, I always I was saying at the beginning of uh, Tuesday morning when Nintendo had their press conference and it was that weird uh, they had like a kind of robot chicken esque sort of cut scenes that were very funny and just you know Reggie and Iwata going at each other Smash Brothers. I just thought to myself, this is why we need Nintendo in the industry yeah. because they are so yeah. weird and whimsical and they really just bring a completely different point of view to gaming. And I think that's important. And we might not get that as much from Sony and Xbox from the top down, but fortunately they're very developer friendly, um, which is fantastic. But oh man, like I, I screamed aloud at, at two things <laughs> this week. Uh, number one, which was the remaster of Grim Fandango. Nice. Huge Tim Schafer fan. Love yeah. Grim Fandango. Me and Manny Calavera, we go way back. <laughs> Can't and wait to I was see more of that. Excited. Well, they were doing uh, online, they were doing this remaster. I don't know if you have you seen that. They were there was a project with mm, uh, no. Scum VM. And they oh, were right. doing yeah. a remaster and they were trying to sort of redo all the textures in the game. And then they stopped suddenly. And now that kind of makes sense. I'm assuming because Disney bought Lucas, now mm-hmm. it's it, it ended up being sort of either a cease and desist or maybe a, hey, we're you know thinking about letting them remaster it. So here's some NDAs and just stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, I was very excited about that. That just made me very, very thrilled. I was hoping for a Psychonauts remaster, which would be huh. great. Well, maybe if Grim Fandango does well. If Grim Fandango does well, I'm really I'm going to cross my fingers for Psychonauts or even a sequel to Psychonauts because really, who does not love Lungfishopolis? We got to we got to return to Lungfishopolis. So, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and then the other moment was the Legend of Zelda reveal of mm. the, the world, and then you know he's like you can ride all the way to the mountains, and all of a sudden you know this monster comes out from way in the distance and just shoots those lasers, and I just I was amazing. I couldn't believe it. It was so good. I'm so excited for that game. I wish it was coming out tomorrow i'm just oh, jazzed yeah. about the legend S- sadly the it's not I, I think we all no. wish it's coming out tomorrow they need to hurry uh, they need to really hurry um i we got a lot to unpack there i'm so excited i love i, I love all the stuff that you brought up i do want to i did notice though we have a very special another very special guest on the line uh mr sony platform himself anthony carboni are you there sir oh hi guys oh hello Ooh. can you hear me yes indeed Great. So I, uh, I have to commend you on the stellar work you did all week from the Sony PlayStation stage. Uh, I've been watching uh, many of your interviews late at night after I wrap up these live shows, uh, as, as well as seeing you projected above my head as I walk across the show floor. You did great work this week, sir. I'm always with you, Jeff. I'm always projected just <laughs> above your head. Thank God for that. Um, I want to talk to you about. Yeah, so many it was saying, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I want to talk to you about so many, so many things because you got you got really uh, a lot of great discussions with designers. But we have to start, I think, with No Man's Sky. Uh, if if people uh, haven't seen, uh, do. if you haven't seen Anthony's interview with Sean, the uh, lead designer on No Man's Sky, a happy game or Hello Games, excuse me, Hello Games, uh, you should watch that immediately. It's on YouTube. Um, the Sony YouTube channel, I believe it's, it's fantastic. You did a great job and you got some really interesting information out of him. So tell me about that. So what's interesting is, uh, about six months ago, I guess it was when they were, uh, when they were showing off at the, at the VGAs, was that it? Was it that long ago already? Anyway, when they first showed their, their trailer the day before they were in San Francisco and they were like, come to the hotel, we have something to show you. And that's when they, they first showed me this game and it is really, really, really ambitious, which I think is great because 
it's very emblematic of this entire E3. I think this E3 was, was sort of uh, all about people biting off more than they can chew in the best ways, like really original game designs, really out there game designs more so than I've seen at E3 in a couple of years. No Man's Sky is, um, everybody is in the same universe. They have randomly generated an entire universe to scale. To scale. Uh, That's the crazy and, part, is to scale. To so, scale. So amazing. I love this. Yes. <laughs> so they've entirely, they, they wrote a random seed based on like a Minecraft, uh, like a Minecraft server or something like that. You know, you put in a random seed and you get a map, but if the same person puts in the random seed, they get the same map. So everybody starts with the same randomly generated universe. And from what Sean's told me, the universe is based on some very, uh, simple physical laws. So every universe has, you know, it's got stars and stars have solar systems. And depending on how close or far planets are from those solar systems, they have life, they have atmospheres, depending on the chemical composition of the planet, maybe those atmospheres are breathable. Maybe they're not. There's liquid, but it's not necessarily water. They all have randomly generated wildlife. And the deal is every player starts, every single player, anyone who boots up this game is going to start on a different planet than any other player has ever started on. And then you get into your ship and you explore this persistent universe. And the whole thing has this look to it like uh, 60s and 70s pulp edition sci-fi covers, yeah. you know, like a, like a Heinlein cover or an Isaac Asimov cover, just like really amazing with just these rich, like reds and greens and purples. And it's, it's just this gorgeous universe to explore kind of solitary on your own, but you can come across another person. It's just highly unlikely, right? Like other, pl- it's super unlikely because, you know, you think about it, we're all starting on different edges of the universe. Right. Like we may cross each other's paths, but think about like the vastness of space. What are the odds if 50 people are flying around in spaceships that they're going to come across each other, you know? And, the crazy and that's, what, thing that's is, what I think is interesting. It's, like, it's crazy that there, if, if so, it's true exploration, because if something hasn't been discovered, then it hasn't been discovered for anyone. And if you discover something, you get to <laughs> upload it for everybody that now it is a thing that people know about that exists in this universe. Yeah, that's what's great. We all share a star map and you can choose whether you want to make your discovery public or not. So anybody who comes across this planet, they'll see like Jeff, like, like Jeff Kanata discovered this planet, but you don't necessarily have to put that on everybody's star map. They may have to like wait until they come across it randomly on their own. But what I think is really great is that, uh, Sean made sure to say that this is not just a walk around, you know, this is not like an indie walking simulator 3.0. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's stuff this to is do. a game where the, the wildlife is hostile, right? Or maybe it's not, but if the wildlife is hostile, then you have to decide how to deal with that. You come across other ships that are AI controlled. I mean, you've seen entire fleets in the, in the trailer. So it's nice. It's not like you're going to be putting around in empty space waiting to come across something. There's a lot of action. If you entirely decide, how you're going to come up against it. Now that said, they haven't shown a lot of this thing yet. Yeah. And I think they're letting our imaginations run a little wild, which is cool. But at the same time, like when I talk, like when I asked Sean about it, he's like, I know it seems like we're being withholding. He's like, but my biggest fear is that I give you a little bit of detail and you extrapolate on it. And then you sit down to play yeah. And whatever you came up with your imagination was not what you actually wound up playing. He doesn't so want to be Peter Molyneux. Like closely guarded about it. 
Exactly. Nobody wants to pull a fable, man. Right. Like no one wants to do that at three. But this is great. I mean, to me, even if it was just like a get in a spaceship and kind of cruise around and, you know, fight, you know, hostile wildlife and try to stay alive in a, like in a very lonely way, that to me is, is my favorite kind of sci-fi, you know? Yeah. And, and that to me is what I really love in games. So, you know, you and I have talked about that, I think before a few times where it's just like, if you put me in a world and that world has physical rules that I can understand and sort of try to exploit, uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. I just like seeing new things and going to new places that are impossible. So, uh, no man's sky was definitely the highlight of, of the entire show for me. So any, any other, uh, any other quick hits that you want to mention of, of games that we should have on our radar over and above or not above, but, uh, in addition to no man's sky. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I didn't get to, uh, I didn't get to venture too far outside of the PlayStation booth, but, uh, I can tell you what I saw there. Uh, number one night in the woods. I really love. Yeah. That's a little bomb fall. Yeah, it's great. You are a cat who drops out of college and moves back to your hometown. Another one of those your parents. As, as one does, you know. Another one of those. As cats do. <laughs> and it's so funny. Within 30 seconds, it's all about, like, dealing with coming home and your friends that never went off to college are still there. And, like, your hometown hasn't really changed and you're kind of depressed. But within 30 seconds of playing this game, I got yelled at by a racist alligator <laughs> that told me, that climbing animals like cats and squirrels should have to pay more taxes because they get to use the town vertically and no one else does. And it's unfair because we're lazy. Amazing. And I was like, this is really good. And they're like, this is real life, man. That's great. I am so into it. Like, and it, it's very much like it's a little bit of platforming. And from what I can tell, it's mostly, it's mostly adventure gaming. You know, uh, anytime you talk to somebody, you can choose between three replies and everything sort of, uh, spirals and builds based on your choices. So that one's really great. And then the other one I saw that I really loved, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've already talked about bloodborne. Everybody's talking about bloodborne. I don't need to say anything about bloodborne, but, um, galaxy was the other one, right? Which is a game that looks like an eighties kind of shmup but it's done in a really interesting way. Like everything aesthetically says like Darius Gradius, like one of those things. Uh, all the cut scenes are very like eighties anime. It looks very much like Mazinger, Captain Harlock. Yeah. But when you're playing, it's actually free roaming and the enemies use an extremely advanced AI. Uh, when the developers were telling me about it, they were like, we don't understand why really complicated enemy AI is saved for things like Far Cry 3, things like these big, you know, multi-million dollar games. So they, they dropped me into this game, they had me play it, and I was trying to play it like an old school shmup, and it was amazing. These enemies were predicting my moves, they were chasing me around, and not only that, but they made the environment very hostile. So things that looked like they should be crates filled with power-ups or cap or, or tanks filled with fuel. If I tried to shoot them, they would like destroy me. They would go bouncing around using real physics. So the whole environment is against you. And uh, the ship controls in a very interesting way. You have forward and reverse thrusters and you have sudden breaks. And then you have uh, your trigger lets you fly up vertically out of the game plane. So you're incredibly maneuverable. And when all that stuff comes together, there was this moment where I flew up through this 
tiny little hallway into this giant open cave and three enemy alien factions were crowded around in that cave and I immediately hit the brakes and reversed. It was like, no, thank you. And then the three <laughs> enemy factions saw that each other were in there. It's these bugs, these aliens, and these robots, basically. They saw each other after I backed out and all the other factions hate each other and so they started shooting each other. Crazy. Wow. And... Yeah, it was something I did not expect because the whole thing looks like this 80s Gradius clone. Yeah, yeah. So it was really amazing. It was very, very clever. That is so awesome, dude. I didn't uh, get to see that. I'm bummed now. Yeah. Now I want to go back to the convention center and make them reopen oh. everything. <laughs> yeah, we, right? if you can make that happen, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think, I don't even, I, I can. Although I do like you know, sleep. <laughs> I can convince people of things sometimes, but those convention center guards are, they're hardcore. Yeah, that's the guys who did uh, Skulls of the Shogun, too, that, which was a really cool, uh, very cool game. It's a, these guys make games uh, that are really outside the box that take that sort of old, old um, classic games and really reinvent them. So uh, fantastic. Thanks so much, Anthony. I know uh, you've been yeah. busy all week uh, like a madman. I really appreciate you taking the time to come hang out with us and, and share that stuff. Oh, of course, man. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Um, I will talk to you soon. And if you guys want to see the two of us uh, streaming stuff, we've been doing that regularly over on Anthony's uh, Twitch channel. So it's uh, Anthony Carboni, uh, twitch.tv slash Anthony Carboni, right? Yep. Come by and uh, watch us uh, be bad and complain about games. <laughs> All right, dude. Get some rest. <laughs> great, great work this week. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Oops. He's just delightful. Isn't he? Just delightful. I, I know Meredith, so I that was the first time I had talked to him. So I like now I feel like I know the the Sony announcer family. Yes. Uh they, they did a great job. And uh, I'm so glad he, he got to call in. Uh Spicer, are you still there? You've been quiet, my friend. I, what uh what do you got that got you excited this Well, week? a lot got me excited, but a little got me more excited than uh Squarespace. So you want to do uh, tell the good people about where you host JeffCanada.com, and then I can dive into either well, Destiny, Borderlands, the pre-sequel, or a little more about uh, Valiant Hearts. Your pick. Well, it, that is the reason that uh, we're able to do this show. It's because Squarespace has graciously sponsored this show, and I'm so happy that they have because they are a service that I use, that I love, that I can genuinely recommend uh, without reservation. Squarespace is the place to go if you have any reason to create an online destination. You want to make a blog, you want to make a portfolio, you want to make a, an online shopping store, small or large, they are the place to make something that looks beautiful, that looks unique, and that works really well and is easy to use. Not only that, they never go down. They're, they have 99.999% uptime. Uh, people have tried to crash their sites. It, it they just don't go down. They have a fantastic service, and they make it easy to create websites with simple, easy, beautiful templates and drag-and-drop functionality. So it's all what you see is what you get. If you want to make take a template that they've got that looks really cool and make it your own, all you got to do is slide stuff around, drag in a new picture, change the font. It's so simple. It's super simple to update your website, to maintain your website. And every website includes commerce. So it's got online commerce that comes with the package. If you're trying to sell something, they make it easy. You just plug and play. It works. Plus, 
It's inexpensive. Plans start at only $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. And if you want to try it out, you don't have to pay a cent. Not only that, they're not even going to take your credit card. So if you want to try it out, there's no, well, I'll try it for a month, and then it'll automatically charge me. And if I forget to cancel it before the month, then I'm on the hook for paying. No, 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 none of that. They don't even take your credit card. It's so easy. It's so simple. And we want to hook you up with 10% off because you Listen to DLC. You listen to DLC? We'll give you a deal, see? <laughs> I just thought yeah. of that. Anyway, uh, go to squarespace.com slash DLC and use the promo code Jeff sent me. That's J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word, Jeff sent me. Squarespace.com slash DLC. Check it out. If you have any reason to make a website, support them because they support us and they make this show possible. We really appreciate that. Squarespace dot com slash dlc and that promo code jeff sent me thank you for reminding me to do the business mr spicer and now you need to do the business uh i want to hear about tell me about borderlands the pre-sequel how about that sure so the biggest thing i think about this game is how little you've heard of it i feel like you know what i mean like borderlands you know when it came out and then it came out again with the new art style like it was buzzing borderlands 2 I feel like, you know, people lost friends to Borderlands 2 because they're still playing it. <laughs> um, you know, just hours and hours of content. Uh, and then this game came out and, you know, it's not, it, I feel like it, you know, it's the Arkham Origins. It's the the game in the franchise by the other people. It's the Bioshock 2. It, it's not Borderlands 3, <laughs> right? But yeah. I don't I don't quite understand, like 2K had what three games at their booth this year and borderlands the pre-sequel was a big part of their booth space and i don't understand quite why so many people why i feel like there's an absence um in discussion about this game because if you like borderlands this is more to like and you know it's it hits all the i think it's because it's current gen or last gen now you know it's it's because all the all the hype and excitement is for next gen stuff and then here comes this game that is quote unquote past last gen and I think people overlook it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that is is the main reason. But I I mean, you know, if you have a PC, this game like Borderlands 2 looked so gorgeous on a PC in high settings. This game looks gorgeous. And it, you know, the art assets hold up so well on a PS3 and Xbox 360. I think if you have one of those consoles and you enjoyed Borderlands 2, you know, I think it's foolish to overlook this game. It's like when when Garnet was on a couple of weeks ago, Jeff, you know, he was talking about we had the whole discussion about living in the now. And I, too, want the new sexy hotness for my my new consoles that I, you know, dumped a bunch of money into. But if I can have an amazing gaming experience on a console that I already own, it's not it's not like I need to go out and rebuy a PS3 because I bought a PS4. You know what I mean? Like I didn't trade it in. I still have it and it still controls well, you know, from my hands on. I don't know if the writing is up to the same level as Borderlands 2. I know some people didn't appreciate the humor in it, but I thought the game hit its notes well and it did what it was trying to do. Of course, Borderlands, those games being the big games that they are, it's hard to sit down at the game on a show floor and really listen to what everyone is saying and and get that world experience. But the moon setting is cool. It's, you know, if you're a fan of the series, you've you know, you've been made aware of these events, right? And everything that goes down. And it's still, it's everything that you love about those games and it's more of it. 
And so that's the main reason I wanted to bring it up. I don't think this game will win anyone over, right? If you passed on Borderlands 2, don't go get this. <laughs> and I don't think it... It's fan service, right? It's <laughs> it's it's made for people who are already... It's preaching to the choir. Right. And it's, it, it is a stopgap, right? It. You know, it's another game to come out and it's a great game for a financial. But I don't think... I think it's easy as a gamer to buy into that pessimism and be like, well, it's, you're just, it's a money grab. Okay, maybe it is, but... All games kind of are because people want to make money on them. And, you know, I thought Batman Arkham Origins, despite its shortcomings, was a fantastic game. I love that universe. I was super excited to go back. It was one of my, you know, geekiest, most enjoyable uh, games from last year on just a pure fan service level. And I think Borderlands, the pre-sequel, can be that for a lot of people this year. So, you know, I understand you want to play on the new hotness, but this is a game that's coming out for a console you have don't overlook it. It would be my takeaway. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about The Order 1886 because I got to play that uh, hands-on, and um, I wasn't really sure. We've had several people on all this week who have talked highly Burnside about it. Burnside loved said, oh, it. You, yeah. you got to check it out. Burnside loved it. Uh, Raj called in, and he loved it. Um, Diut. I, I got worried about mispronouncing his last name, but it's duped. Anyway, um, so I was really excited to check it out. I didn't know what to expect after seeing that bit of trailer in the uh, in the press conference, but I think I understand the game now. Okay. First of okay. all, the best the best graphics. I mean, I think it, 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 you, you got to say the division in that sentence as well, as far as best graphics at E3. But it's so good. The right? division. Oh wow. my gosh. Uh, but I have never seen character models other than maybe that Uncharted 4 trailer. But again, that's just a trailer. We don't know. This was a game I played. I had it in my hands. I played it. I shot stuff. I was running around. Uh, I've never seen character models that look more cinematic, more lifelike. It was stunning. How do you feel um, about the The Witcher the was really good, too. Like that. Witcher 3 was really good. The cropped letterboxing? You mean of of when it's not? In the shooter mode, yeah, yeah. I mean, when it, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. how how much of that is maintaining? You know, it's like the atmosphere, like oh, it's cinematic versus oh crap, we can't render all this. <laughs> you know, oh maybe I don't know, right? Yeah, no, to- I mean, I think that's a big part of it, but also, I mean, I actually, I actually appreciate that in a lot of places because sometimes I just want to play the game, and so to cut to you know a cinematic or it just. For me, it takes me out of the game a lot of the time, and I just want to stay in it. Yeah. So some of that I really actually appreciate. I didn't really even notice the the letterbox, and to be quite honest with you, maybe if I had heard people talking about it before, I would have kept my eye out for it, but it certainly didn't bother That's me. Good. Um, I I played a shooter level. It was a full-on cover-based shooter, and the weapon that I was using the entire time was friggin' awesome, looked amazing. It was this gun that shot this sort of gasp these gas pellets at the enemy that would pop when they hit them and release this gas that didn't really hurt them. But then you shot the alternate fire of the weapon, which shot like this phosphorus that ignited the gas. And it looked absolutely oh. incredible. It, it was full of particle effects and it sparked and, and shimmered and it looked like phosphorus like you see in movies. Um, so it really cool mechanic right there because I sort of could paint uh, a section. There was a the part at the beginning where there's these guys on the, a uh, second floor balcony who are shooting down at you and you're behind cover and you, I could paint a couple of them and then use one alternate fire and it would ignite that entire area. So cool. So cool. 
uh, and then, uh, you know, I progressed and, and went to a cutscene and sort of did a little bit of a figure this out, how we're going to get out of the situation, which was basically just walk around the room until you can, you know, use something. But I, I, I kind of got it. I feel like this is Sony Santa Monica doing uncharted. It's the same genre, so to speak. It's the same gameplay. Loop. Really? It's uncharted. It's uncharted. Is there running and it's jumping a, and climbing. No, hmm. I don't mean it in that way. I mean it in the way that Uncharted is a game that exists to tell you a story, right? And, you, and it's all about this cinematic mm-hmm. story that's happening that is punctuated by moments of action. And I feel like the, the moments of action in the order are, I think, a better shooter than Uncharted ever was. This is much more a really effective cover-based shooter, at least the level that I played. But it's the same general idea of it's there to tell you this single player story and it, though it looks like it could be a squad based multiplayer shooter it is not it is a single player game only but the squad is there to be interesting characters and to convey this cinematic storytelling which is i think very akin it reminded me in in large part of uncharted um did you get to ask any questions about the length that's the the rumor i had heard buzzing yeah. around the show floors at this game might feel short to some. I know I, I didn't, uh, I didn't inquire about that and it didn't occur to me. I mean, it just, they just, we played a level and, um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing it'll probably be in that eight to 10 hour range, probably on the shorter side. But if it, if it has a really interesting story, certainly the setting is fascinating. It's this alternate history idea with cool weaponry. There was one of the characters that I was running alongside had that, um, uh, like Tesla coil gun. And I had that, as I mentioned, that sort of phosphorus gaseous thing. Uh, so it's this wonderful alternate history. And if the story is good, the acting certainly seemed to be top notch and the character models, the graphics alone are worth the price of admission. I mean, it looked like a movie set. It was stunning, stunning. And, and lots of wonderful effects layered on top to make it sort of ha- have, uh, you know, focus and uh, like a layer of, this sounds weird, but it's like a layer of velvet over everything. It didn't look like video game graphics oh. anymore. It looked like this kind of painterly so world. Sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's by Ready at Dawn, and honestly, mm-hmm. I, they have not made a game that has let me down. Um, I, you know, I double checked. So I'm looking at their wiki. It was Daxter, God of War, Chains of Olympus, God of War, Ghost of Sparta for Vita. Uh, I loved all of those. I thought they were great Vita games. And then they did the Okami port for the Wii which was such a wonderful port of a wonderfully beautiful game. And now they're working on this where it's kind of like, okay, yeah, you'll, you get my money. You know what I mean? Like the game looks beautiful. It looks like it's right up my alley. And then their, their past work has all been stuff that I've loved where it's kind of, this is a type of thing that gets me on that hype train. You know what I mean? It's not like from a developer that made that game you hated last year <laughs> comes this new game. Uh, Right. Yeah, I'm stoked. Oh man, seriously though, I'm I am going to have to sell my daughter to afford 2015. Like there is no way. But think of all the money you'll get I for know. your daughter. <laughs> there, there's no way, man. It's my crazy. It's crazy. Uh, speaking of crazy, there's games on every console that I'm excited about, including handheld. Yeah. Well, th- is there anything specifically in handheld that you wanted to bring up, Ashley? Uh, I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed Smash yeah. Brothers on 3DS, so I'm excited about that. That's this year. 
but I, I've just really been enjoying like, so God, the 3DS, me and my 3DS walked. I basically went to E3 this year to street pass. <laughs> like I have a very serious street passing problem. Um, but I really enjoyed that. And I just really enjoyed walking around. I, I, I have to say, I, I think the big story for me this year at E3 was indies. There were so many good indie games and so many good ones on like I want to get a Vita. Now. Yes. I think that's the only quote unquote console Do I don't have. And I've heard so many great things about it. And I saw Tearaway last year at E3 and I just absolutely loved it. Did how much did Christian and pay? Now you? with PlayStation <laughs> Now and Remote Play, I'm like, I gotta I think it's I gotta so invest. good. It's so good. Uh Indies on the Vita or make the console worth owning. But Indies in general, I feel like and Jeff, we talked about this uh, I don't remember one of these live shows where I I think there have been so many amazing indie games at this show, but I almost feel like they got a little less of a showcase than they did last year. Like Microsoft's booth was a pretty large space, and then they had like I don't know what to call them, like game hallways or or game gutter corridors, right? Where it's like they have the big games with the big splashy mm-hmm. stuff with Forza Horizon Two with an actual car sitting there, and you know come see this game and Sunset Overdrive with the huge space and you know, all this stuff. And then they had that little alleys that had rows and rows of games. And I feel like sometimes the last game in those alleys would be a different game than that's at the front. And it would be, you know, an amazing, beautiful indie game that you didn't see. And like Sony had devotion part of their booth, but then some of the other stuff was sprinkled around. Like for instance, when, after the Sony press conference, one of the games I was more jazzed about was Abuzu or Abzu, however you say it, A-B-Z-U. And, yeah, I think it's. Absolute. I don't know if it was playable, playable or not because I didn't see it, and it just. Yeah, I don't think it was. I there. would have loved to have played it, but you know what I mean. It's like they have these like weird like, sort of random assortment of indie games like sprinkled throughout a booth, and it's really hard to find what you're looking for. And if you don't know what you're looking for, and you're just looking to find to check something out or just gander like browse it's actually even harder because it's so difficult i would have loved to have seen oh uh, yeah for it. so like good upfront, up big you know something big for that game and i i really hope that they kind of push that game because i i mean i yeah. was so yeah impressed. i was all the people that wanted the last guardian you got the last guardian it's just tv <laughs> now and on microsoft platform <laughs> i mean it, it, it yeah and just not on it's not got on that DS4, same sorry, spirit guys. i feel like it's got that wonderful feeling of it really of, does. Of, and like hadoken or um how do you say it it's it, it, it uh, yeah um <laughs> i was thinking of Hoboken, Hoboken, yeah. which, right that's what you're talking about it's great it's, be- it's beautiful oh, and so it has good. you know it kind of got that flower vibe or not flower um the uh, 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 eden God, my brain is so. This is this is the end of E three show, right? <laughs> Where it's like, it really, yeah. It's, well, let's it's crazy. Uh, I, my brain is. Let's let some other players. people uh, queue us up. We got we got a bunch of people here on the line waiting waiting to uh, ask questions. So, um, I have somebody on the line here from the nine oh nine. What is your name? Where are you calling from? And uh, what did you want to talk about? Hello, nine oh nine. No, nobody. All right. Okay. Oh, there he was, and I muted him again. Oh, there was a person. Hello, are you there, sir? Thank you very much. Um, yes, tonight, two ends, one T. How's it going? We were listening to what you were talking about, and we love E3 this year. It was a lot of good stuff on there, but some of the stuff you guys were talking about, we weren't really pulling the same way. We're on our way back from E3 on the way to our house. And one of the things was, you know, you guys were talking about 
No Man's Sky. And you guys are sitting there saying, you know, oh, this is going to be a game about how, you know, there's so many galaxies that we can explore out everywhere, and people are going to be like, you're not going to run into other people. But the problem is, it's like, once this game gets its hype and gets its point, it gets its small point, you get a couple thousand copies out there, a million copies out there sold, you know, that, that galaxy is going to be very, very fast. You're going to sit there and be like, boom, boom, boom. You know, you're not going to sit there and just tell galaxy, but like, I'm not going to want to share that this is going to be happening. So we were, we were looking forward to seeing it, but, you know, we didn't get a chance because we didn't have the first potential, but we had a lot of fun. Yeah, it, you know, it... it... It is an interesting idea of, uh, you know, they're, they're saying that it is truly infinite, um, and, it, and it certainly can be because it's procedural. So if, if all the planets get used up, well, we just make more, you know, in the sense that the, 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 if the universe in the game is always expanding because it's always generating new planets for you to find. And you, can, you have the choice of either going to planets that have already been discovered and, and points of interest on that planet have already been discovered. So even if you find a planet and it's like, oh, uh, Ashley Escueda has, has already discovered this planet. Well, maybe she discovered the planet and discovered a part of the planet and then moved on to something else. Or the planet is so big that she didn't get a chance to discover the entire planet. So now I can go and look for things that may exist on this planet that she didn't see. I can go to the bottom of the ocean and look for some weird sea creature or I can discover a, a, you know, a space station that's in one corner of this planet. And if the planets are truly planet size, it certainly took human beings a heck of a long time to uh, explore everything. I, I think the real... I think a lot of people are worried about, um, and I saw a couple of people mention this in the chat, is, is I think a server, like server space, like where is this going to be hosted? And if it's infinite, how do you... The, the technical side of it is sort of one of those things that's there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered in terms of how that is that game is going to be stored and and delivered to everybody. well it certainly does sound too good to be true so you, you can certainly excuse people for feeling like well i can't i don't want to get my hopes up because this does sound too good to be true I'm cautiously optimistic yeah. like i want to believe i'm enthusiastic and i want to believe yeah i you know one of the things that i love uh, is listening to the the lead designer sean i, I can't remember his name um, Murray, is it? Um, discuss the game because he's so humble and seems like such a good guy. I, I love that. And he's really forthcoming about the game. And, and he has said one of the most interesting things in this entire E3 conference for my money was that he's experienced two kinds of people that ask him about the game. The, the first kind is sort of our generation of gamers, people who grew up where games gave you quests and you fulfilled those quests and you moved on, you did something else. And the second kind of people are the people in the generation below ours and even younger who grew up in a Minecraft world where the game doesn't tell you what to do. The game doesn't even ask you to do anything. There, is no, there are no quests. There is no agenda. There is just a world. And you go into that world and you make of it what you choose. And it's a playground in which it's not just make your own fun. It's exist and and do what you will. And I think that's the kind of game. I mean, he very specifically said there will not be any quests in this game. There will not be anybody telling you to collect 10 space chickens. He says, you know, you if you do something, you may be rewarded for it or there may be consequences for it, but you don't know that going in, just like life and just like Minecraft, really. So I think this is really more a spiritual successor to those types of games. And I think it's scary for some of us that aren't used to that to think about it, but it certainly is an exciting. But maybe for kids growing up, yeah. it's it's something that is so natural to them. Yeah. 
I'm, 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 I can't be more excited about that game, but yes. I am sad about no space. (laughs) Well, there, there may be space chickens. There's just nobody telling you to kill 10 of them. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. There's another person on the line here from 407. Uh, where are you calling from? What's your name, and what do you want to talk about? Hey, Jess, this is Mollick calling from Tampa, Florida. Um, first, I want to thank you and Christian for the hard work you guys did all week. I mean, you guys have done a tremendous job covering E3. Thanks. Um, and also, for sorry for asking you guys on Twitter all week. Um, I just want to ask mm-hmm. two questions: one specific, one general. The specific question was about uh, Project Morpheus. You got a chance to try it out and how that felt uh, using that along with the move controllers, if that made a difference from using the Oculus Rift. Mm-hmm. And the second more uh, general question I had is, how did you get to see all the games at E3? Do you notice any like trends that might indicate where the generation is headed towards? I think like you know, for the last generation, for me, it was all about HDE and also uh, having a connected community to play online with. Uh, for me, I mean, what I've seen is that developers seem to be using online in more creative ways than just simple, I shoot you and you shoot me back. Like, you know, kind of like how Dark Souls does it or uh, Evolve is using it. That's my two cents. I'll take my answers off the air. Thanks again, guys. Uh, thanks for the call, man. Um, let's, let's do the first one first. I, I tried all day today to get into uh, Project Morpheus. They were jam-packed and they were uh, swamped with media trying to get in. I don't know. Ashley, did you have a chance to see Project Morpheus? I I did not. My my co-host uh, for my show did, and he had the most insanely ridiculous pictures. <laughs> it looked like he was going to an ice cream cone rave. <laughs> yeah, well, we've all been. And one it was of those. the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I've talked to a lot of people that have tried it and have tried and have also tried uh, Oculus, and I got to try as Oculus. have I, and I loved it, and uh, I have heard pretty much across the board from everybody I've spoken to that's worn both that. Uh, Morpheus isn't quite at the Oculus level yet. That there's there's a little bit of uh, motion blur when you turn your head. That the latency is a little worse, and that the field of vision is a little is a little reduced. So you do feel the edges a little more than you do in Oculus. But I I, I reserve judgment until I actually get my eyes on. Personally. You guys weren't able to get in. I just walked up and said I love the Vita, and they gave me one. So you know. <laughs> well. No, yeah, no big like, deal. Being a fanboy has its privileges, I suppose. Yeah. But let's talk yeah. about that second part. No, they laughed in my face and said, no appointment, <laughs> get out. Uh, let's talk about the second part of that question, though, uh, with sort of trends that you see coming out of this E3. Um, do you guys have any trends that are, have struck you about the, where the industry is so headed? I, I tweeted this, and it's E3 2014. These are the trends. 2015, co-op multiplayer, see something in the distance, go there, bro. See it, go to it. 2015. Those are my takeaways from everything is about this four player cooperative, get along experience. Yeah, all co- like this play together is like the big play together in 2015. <laughs> yeah. Play that together in 2015 and go over to that mountain that's over there. Right. Yeah, you can ride yeah. to the mountains. Well, I think that there's there's such an explosion uh, in the MOBA space, in the cooperative, team-based, you know, uh, even the Twitch revolution of, hey, we all want to be doing the same thing together at the same time. I think that's a natural evolution, and I love it. I think it's it's sort of the MF, MMOification of all games where the line between what makes an MMO and what doesn't is getting blurred more and more. And a, and a game like The Division is, for all intents and purposes, an MMO. I mean, it's got loot, it's got yeah, progression, it really it's got your friends, it's got this giant world where you can drop in and drop out. The line is blurring. 
I think the technical side of things has finally reached, we've kind of reached this tipping point where so many people now have access to faster. I say faster. It's just such a joke <laughs> internet here in the States. Uh, I say faster for us. Um, but we have enough people, enough gamers have fast enough internet to where we're able to sort of have these online matches and online play. And I, I really think that this is a really, I always say this, of course, because it's always from every moment going forward, it's the best time ever to be a gamer. Like there's never going to be a time in the future where it's a worse time to be a gamer. And that's really exciting for me. Yeah. So as long as we keep living. <laughs> yeah, just keep I I'm I'm hoping for full uh, upload of my consciousness into a robot. <laughs> I would like to be a oh. Cylon before I die. That's my th- literally my last final bucket list item is becoming Mine is already a planet on no man's sky. I just don't know if anyone will see <laughs> right. it or find it. If I See, maybe that's the future of No Man's Sky. Maybe in maybe in 60 years you'll be able to upload your consciousness onto a planet in No Man's Sky. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's make that happen. And Maybe we're living that right now. We're all, we're all Did I just in No blow Man's Sky. Minds? We're just No Man's Sky trying to experience itself subjectively. We're, yeah, we're living in No Man's Sky right now. This is a, entirely a simulation. I think that that is definitely another infinite another trend that you could pull out of this E3 is that for all of the explosions we saw and shooty shooty man shoot him up shoots. Uh, the game that everyone is talking about is No Man's Sky, is this game where you don't do any of that. I mean, there's shooting in it, yes. There's nothing to do except what you right. make. Right, and, and it's uh, it's from a small team. It's it's a game where we not, we saw no CG trailer for it. They, they debuted it by showing you in-game flying around stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's a different thing, and hopefully it inspires – uh, some other teams that will do take that concept and, and be making their version of that, whatever that may be. I think it, I think it could be cool. Well, one other thing, I, kind of related yeah, to this technology so. stuff that we haven't talked about at all, is PlayStation Now. You know, running on the show floor, and I think is a very bold move of Sony. I know it goes wide. I believe it's July thirty first is kind of when the beta goes wide for everybody 30th um but 30th, on the show yeah. floor one of the games excluded and play excluded included with playstation now when the beta launches is ultra street fighter 4 and going you know actually what you're saying about fast enough internet or, or being able to do like that that's a bold move mm-hmm. i feel like to launch a yeah game? a fighting like the fighting game you know what i mean like mortal kombat it's a great fighting game mm-hmm. it's not Street Fighter. You know what I mean? It's not competitive. Ultra Street Fighter 4, playable via PlayStation Now. I played it on the floor. It was fantastic, but that's such a controlled experience of PlayStation Now. I don't care what they say. Like, actually, our servers are in China. I don't believe you. I think they're under this current. Um, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. you know, if that works and that comes out and I can play a fighting game over that thing, that's that's incredible. And then I can play it on my Sony Bravia TV without needing a console. Like I I think the tech and even Sony in their press conference, they were like, we're innovating, you know, we're doing PlayStation. Now we got project Morpheus. And I kind of think they just glossed over PlayStation now. And I think a lot of people, you know, at E3 did this year as well, because it was just a back wall and it's games that are old. Uh, cause it's, you know, it's PlayStation three games. Yeah. It was kind of a second man. If that thing works, did you guys, did either of you, uh, play around i did not i got to use it at ces when they first announced it right. isn't it that great. crazy like that that blows my mind i would picture 
Like I could it was I, so XCOM cool. release XCOM via PlayStation Now, right? <laughs> like that makes sense. But Street Fighter, yeah. that's a you know they're they're coming in with their shirt off, ready to fight. You know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> it's crazy. They Hulk Hogan did. <laughs> they just they could pull rip the shirt right off. And they're like, oh, I'm ready. I love it. No, I I love this, and I I think that that's a really important evolution in gaming. I've always wanted to, you know, grab something handle. I'm hoping Nintendo does something very similar with whatever the next iteration of the 3DS is. I'm actually hoping that somehow it's kind of integrated in such a way that, for example, I would be able to use it instead of my gamepad. Well, why isn't that? Uh, why can't we that do that now? Somehow, we should be able to do that now. It's stupid. They launched both of those at the same time. I, I, I was really bummed that that wasn't part of the functionality of the Wii U. And and I'm wondering if maybe it exists and maybe we just haven't seen it yet and they and they are still working on that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely would like to see Nintendo kind of go in that direction because obviously their handheld uh, is keeping is keeping the Wii U afloat at this point because the Wii U is really a, a de- it's it's an anchor. And I know that they said that they've moved a lot of consoles because of Mario Kart 8, which is fantastic because Mario Kart 8 is amazing. Um, but on that same note, I, I really wish that they would sort of integrate. I'm excited about Amiibo. Are you? That was so awesome. You want to buy a little yeah, toys? Like, I'm really excited about that because here's the thing. Like I like Disney infinity and I like, uh, Skylanders. I like the idea of that, but it's for one game. And so you have all these figurines that do nothing in other games. Yeah. Like you just have a, a big collection of stuff. That only works in one game. And that, to me, sucks. Well, we have to see what, what the other games are. I mean, I, it works in Smash Brothers Well, they're so saying far. already, like, Mar- they're saying Mario Kart and Smash Brothers. Like, these are, I'm assuming first party, a lot of first party Nintendo games that have some multiplayer element will incorporate Amiibo. Yeah, that makes sense. For me. And, and the thing is, is if, listen, if I get to play Mario Kart 8 as Samus... I'm in. Yeah. Just sign me up. Like, I'll buy that. I'll I, I buy that. I haven't I'm, heard I'm totally about the Mario Kart 8 functionality yet. I, I'm not sure I've heard that. But I know Smash Brothers, they said Smash Brothers would be the first game to support it. So maybe they're patching in Mario right. Kart. I, I haven't heard that. But I, I think it makes sense for them to use it across the board. And I think it should be, that should be, I should be able to take my little Samus and put her in wherever game I want. That would be awesome. Right. I mean, and I get not single player game. Like if you're playing Super Mario 3D World, like it would be weird to like put Samus in that game. Like I get it. And then you got to animate a cat suit for her. And that's str- that'll be just how and kind that's of a amazing. license to print money right there. <laughs> it, it really is. And, and, you know, Link gets his little green cat suit. And I, I mean, it's, it could be crazy. But at the end of the day, I, I get I get where it could be really cool. And for a really good example is um, Splatoon. So you have these little squids and then maybe in the future for, you know, online play or multiplayer, you're able to bring in a character that is, you know, from another Nintendo IP and it's, you know, I'm going to play as Donkey Kong or whatever. And they have a way to sort of say like, okay, well, in this universe, here's how, you know, this character can be integrated. So maybe he can't dip into the ink like you can with all the squid kids. The squid kids. I like that. They should use that. TM. Squid kids. And uh, yeah, that's trademarked. You can call me Splatoon and I'll license it to you for a very low rate. Um, but yeah, like something like that where they say, okay, this is sort of how this this non, uh, you know, non-franchise character kind of fits into this world. I think that would be really cool. I and I mean, I think it really works for things like Mario Kart and obviously Super Smash Bros. Like these are the two that I really want to see it integrated into because obviously I want to be able to use an Amiibo and, and race a cart as, you know, 
whoever I is not available as a racer. I'm still very sad about Boo not being an available racer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that would be an amazing functionality. Uh, I think uh, knowing Nintendo, I'm I would be shocked if there isn't like only two games that use it from now until <laughs> you know, of course, four oh, years yeah. from now, until there's no more Can Wii U. Yeah, this? of course. Even if it was one game, that's the same as Disney Infinity and Skylanders. So, I, I mean, it's even if we get just one game, then it's like equal. But I always want to see it. Can I put this more. conversation in air tank mode and make a sharp left turn and hear you gush about Arkham Knight because you got to play it and I didn't and I want it to be my game of show? Oh, I'm so jealous you got to play that. Well, it certainly needs to be in the discussion for game of show. Um, I know that um, Burnside last night was kind of down on it. I wonder if he got the same demo I did because I got to play an entire chapter. Uh, they told me it was chapter two of the game. And I oh. I went in with relatively low expectations, and that always helps with stuff, but it blew me away. Blew me away. Now, his primary criticism was that it didn't look really very next-gen, and I get that. I mean, the Batman games have looked so good traditionally that this looks more like a, a Arkham game has looked. It's, it, it's got a layer of shiny on it, but it, it certainly didn't look like The Order. My God, I just thought of that. What if that Batman game looked like The Order graphic? Ugh. Oh, boy. Oh, man. But, uh, but gameplay gameplay holy crap i was totally surprised at how the batmobile really does change that game completely primarily because they have managed to figure out really smart ways to integrate the batmobile into every facet of the game it's literally another tool in your tool belt all the time there's never a time when you can't use it it i mean i guess if you're indoors what but about any time you loses a the- wheel and the joker gets away uh, that's only when uh, Robin lays an egg, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and Robin's not not in this game. Um, uh, but anytime you press the press L one, um, which side note, it bugs me that the new PlayStation controller the the primary trigger is called L two and the yeah. bumper is called L one. It confuses me every time. Mm-hmm. However, uh, when you push the L one, anywhere you are at any time, Batmobile shows up and you jump into it. No matter what, are you swinging through the city? Are you gliding? Are you att- fighting people? L1, Batmobile, you're in it. Amazing. And it high host that works and it doesn't it. break because how could this happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, No, it, they like animate friggin' awesome transitions as they do with that game. Like that game, really the rock steady secret sauce is amazing transitions. In the combat system, you push one button and then you push another button. Amazing transitions between the two. You're flying through the city and then you do something else. Amazing transitions. Like that's their, that's what makes Batman feel so badass is because you do a couple of things and he does all the extra work to make him look awesome, you know. Um, but but I haven't even gotten to the coolest part yet, right? So, so yes, it's cool that the Batmobile is, is constantly involved in what you're doing and can be at any time. And it really is an asset. But when you're in it, it has two modes. One is regular driving around the city at super fast speeds, Batmobile. You have a boost that shoots flames out the back, you know, just like you would expect from a Batmobile, and you go super fast and everything. But when you hold in the left trigger, your L2 button, uh, instantly, instantly, the car transforms into tank mode. And in tank mode, the all the four wheels kind of shoot out to the side and 
I don't know how to explain this, and roll into sort of spheres. So the tires are kind of spheres, like roller balls. So you instantly have okay. full 360-degree movement uh, with the tank. I feel like it's so, kind of like in Dark Knight Rises when he's on his bike, and he, you know, like the wheels yes. kind of roll over themselves. Yes, exactly. Great point of reference. Um, but what what that translates to, what it effectively becomes is you are completely mobile in any situation. You are maneuverable. You can get around corners. I found myself immediately going, drive, 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 super fast. As soon as a corner comes up, do I e-brake? Heck no, I don't e-brake. I turn into a tank and can turn on a dime Side and roll. rotate around and then turn back into a car and shoot down the road. Amazing. Car strafing. Exactly. And so, and then you get into these, these situations with bad guys where you get into, there's tanks attacking you. So you need to be in tank mode to fight them. And you're, you're rolling around the environment, completely maneuverable, uh, shooting them with your awesome tank guns. And it's got this cool thing, just like in the, in the combat system, when you're on foot Batman, where you can level up things and do cool finishers. Same thing with the car. You do enough things without getting hit. You, you, unlock a finisher and you can lock onto guys and it shoots this volley of missiles that that shoot out sort of like panzer dragoon where you paint a bunch of targets and it shoots out so they've basically managed to translate the awesome batman combat system melee combat system onto a car which is unbelievable that it works and you're all you always feel nimble and maneuverable and being in the car is never a step back from your maneuverability it's a step forward from your maneuverability whereas in every other game being in a car and trying to get you know get around a corner or you get stuck in the geometry because the thing is too tight never gonna happen with this one because they figured it out does it it's does it make the brilliant. world seem too big when you're batman because you know like are, are the streets not narrow like if you have a tank combat arena what does it feel like if you walk through that area you know what i mean does that make sense well well i was i mm-hmm. was dropped into a chapter mission a, a very lengthy mission that took about 45 minutes for me to get through so i was never in uh, only at the very beginning when i sort of jumped into trigger that story beat got it was i ever in the wide open world so i never got a chance to just kind of wander around so i i can't really answer that but within the context of the mission structure the Batmobile, I was giggling and giddy with how empowered it made me feel, how cool it made me feel. And then there were specific puzzles that I had to solve where, for example, Batman uh, comes upon this um, this elevator shaft that's broken and it's it's down at the bottom at the, you know, t- three stories down and he needs to ride that elevator up. So what he does is he he can always, always at any time radio control his Batmobile. So you can then it just shoots you over to control the Batmobile while Batman is still standing persistent in the environment. And you can drive the Batmobile, blast through this wall, tether to the the counterweight of the uh, elevator, and then drive backward like a giant, you know, bulldozer, yanking this elevator up through the environment. So and then you switch back to Batman and you get in the elevator and then you switch back into the car and you lower him down. Now, that's a very simplistic explanation of, of the kinds of things you can do, but it makes you feel awesome because you literally you literally have to think outside the box because you have the ability to be both in the box and out the bo- outside the box at the same time because you can use the car. And the same is true in combat situations. I was in a combat situation where Batman gets surrounded and – I can drive the car behind everybody and start shooting them and distract them so then I can start pummeling them. 
it's there's just so many brilliant uses of this thing. It is completely integrated into the game. It's not just like, hey, now you get a car to drive around the city in. No, it's a gameplay mechanic through and through. And well, I'm throwing my money at the screen and nothing's <laughs> happening. So you just I'm pretty sure I'm sold. And the other thing that I thought was really you smart. You just sold it. They just put you in the commercial, I know, Jeff. right? I, I, I will freely accept that. Um, the other <laughs> – although no one paid me for this, believe me. Uh, the, uh, the other thing that I thought was really clever is here, here now you've, you've given yourself a problem uh, where you have a character who by his very nature is defined by the fact that he doesn't murder anybody. And you've given him a, and you've given him a tool that lets you mow down as a player, mow down anybody in the street, right? Well – they, and it's also got a giant cannon on the top. Uh, they solved that in a very clever way, I think. And maybe some people might consider it a cop-out, but I thought it was clever. Uh, the Batmobile has an electromagnetic field around it. So when you run over guys, it electrocutes them and knocks them unconscious. So they don't die. It, but it knocks them to the side so that you can't continue running over them. Pretty smart. And also when you go and you start shooting – when the Batmobile starts shooting at uh, – characters at people at bad guys instead of at the wall it automatically switches to rubber bullets so it only ever knocks them unconscious which you know it's semantic perhaps but i thought it was clever and and kind of cool well i mean that's something that the the right. batman franchise works with but it also is in line with his character like he he has gadgets that yes is it a cheeky wink where like oh no one dies yeah but is that how the batman character is portrayed in comics as well yeah, it is. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, somebody do the Christian Bale growl and say, no <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah." Christian, I was completely blown away. My my expectations were totally exceeded. The Rock City guys are so smart and making making the game feel new and fresh. There's also new ways for Batman to get around the city. He can now chain um, grapples, so you don't have to grapple to one surface and then stop and then grapple to the next surface. You can grapple and then in midair grapple again uh, and continue doing doing that over and over to get to the, to high, the top of high buildings easier. Um, it, just, it just was instantly rewarding and fun to use the Batmobile. It felt like no other vehicle has ever felt in a video game before, which I think as, if you have such an iconic yeah. item in a game, you don't want it to feel like any other no, thing. It's a big yeah. deal. Um, so I, I, I loved it. That's awesome. That's like I feel like Destiny is kind of doing some of that too in the sense that, you know, it's Bungie and they have such iconic vehicles. You know, the way the Warthog handles is probably in the Smithsonian somewhere, right? Like the the control mechanism <laughs> they used for that. It's so it's so Halo. You know, like you get in a Warthog, right. you know exactly how it's going to feel. And then with uh Destiny now with the introduction of the speeder bikes, uh it it's it has its own like whatever they do, whatever their secret sauce is for making vehicles feel ultimately familiar but different like a ghost is different than a warthog is different than a banshee so you get on the speeder bike and you're like i know exactly what i'm doing but it feels like something new and i love that it's like i think the batmobile where it's like this is a thing you know and love but now it feels new and exciting like i'm so angry i didn't get to play this game yeah i am very sad as well i didn't i didn't get to well it looks like a bunch of us are gonna get to play with the um, with the alpha this weekend. Oh, Destiny or Batman? Yeah. Oh, Destiny. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, bummed, talking about I'm Batman. bummed I didn't get to play no, Batman. Yeah, yeah, Destiny. Jump in that alpha, man. It's yeah, uh, it's cool. I, I kind of snuck in and didn't get 
full time with it that other people were getting where the customization you have for your characters and stuff, I feel like you could spend hours just how you want to outfit your your avatar and how you want to enter the world. Um, I forget if someone else on this show had said it maybe yesterday. I don't remember. Um, I tried to listen to most of the show while I was driving. But like it, it to me, Destiny is both one of my most anticipated games and one of my something still doesn't quite feel right, but I know the game has to be almost done. We're like, I don't know if it's the illusion to kind of borderlands that we've put on it, the expectations that we've put on it to be like a borderlands, but it doesn't have the same uh, treasure chest explosion when you kill people that like borderlands or Diablo gets you. Like, I love seeing those numbers flying and it, it doesn't do that. But then it's also hard to demo these games where I feel like what it will do better than Borderlands and what you know they talk about is you know Jeff or if I see you guys playing, I run over to you, I start attacking the big thing you're attacking, and we're you know now in an event which is like an MMO style thing, but then I can just leave it and I don't have to worry about you ruining my game or whatever, and that's the secret sauce that I think would make Destiny awesome, and that's also the hardest secret sauce to play in a 20 minute demo on a show floor. It's a lot yeah. of sauce. It's, it's some of the games. It's very hard to sort of showcase what your game can do. Yeah, yeah. and that I feel short like Drive Club and Destiny will either be my favorite games of this year, or I can't wait for Drive Club and Destiny Two because <laughs> they'll do it right. I really wish you had gotten a chance to play um, a World of Speed. It was sort of up in its own little hidden uh, private media room up in the second floor, but uh, it. You know, I'm not really a racing guy like you are, Christian, but it was intriguing. The idea with though, it's a free to play racer. Um, yes, yes, yes. Don't leave. Don't leave. Just keep oh, listening. Sorry. I, uh, I, but I stepped out. It's free to play. Free to play. It's, it could be a good thing. Uh, it looked really great. It looked comparable to all the other racing games uh, that were not free to play. And the idea is they're trying to make a racing MMO in the sense that it plays like an MMO where you have quests and you get loot and you level up. And you have uh, people that you do a quest with. You have a party of, of adventurers and you go and you do these racing quests. And the way they make that work is pretty clever. They uh, give you these various objectives that you have to accomplish in the race. And they said one of the major, uh, one of the major design ideas was that in a racing game, there's the desire to be first and that's it. It's like finish first, and then most of the people who are playing don't finish first. Yeah, but one guy does. He has a great time. I'm well, just kidding. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's like a hell. <laughs> but in this game, um, finishing first is only one of several objectives that your entire team has to accomplish in order to complete the mission, in order to complete the quest. So you have to also, you know, drift for a certain number of feet, or. Um, I don't know, those kinds of things. Like Fast and the Furious online. Right, but, but no, not everybody, it's, they are mutually exclusive. So you can't accomplish all of them and just be the single hero who wins the, wins the match. You, your team is, the idea is your team would be constituted by different role players in the same way that a role, that an MMO would be, you know, a cleric and a, you know, a healer, a mage and a tank, whatever. In this game, you have like 
the guy with the slide tires and the car that works best to, to do drifting. And he's going to be on your team shooting for that drifting goal. And then you have the, the big muscle car driving guy who's a tank who's going to shoot for the goal of knocking people off the road. And then there's going to be the other guy who's got the awesome fast car who's trying to win the race. And all of you, oh, yeah, all of you have to accomplish your objectives and then the one guy has to win the race. So if the guy wins the race, but you didn't accomplish all the objectives, you still didn't, you didn't win. So it really becomes this team game. And I just thought that was so interesting and such a flip of the script uh, when it comes to racing games. I was hoping you'd get a chance to check it out. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Drive Club is doing some of that stuff too. World of Speed. Uh, Say it again one more time. World of Speed. Awesome. Yeah, Drive Club's doing some of that. And also, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but a huge storm has rolled through where I am. So if uh, I disappear, it's because I think uh, Wyoming is getting smited off the earth. And uh, that. Well, I'm told that uh, our mothership in Austin is under tornado watch right now. So uh, take it home with some some best of shows and uh, say, stay safe (laughs) and (laughs) let's climb under some mattresses. Well, while we're still alive and kicking, let's see if we can work through some of these calls because uh, some of these people have been waiting quite a while to talk to us. Bunker uh, down, Austin. Two, we're keep, go, can I really going. quickly just mention my – I opened up that box for the people in the chat room who were wondering what it was, the Witcher box. And it's actually a really amazing sort of uh, little figure. It's of Geralt yeah. and a and he's carrying a head. Yeah, yeah. And it also has uh, – don't throw it away until you look. It's got a code for a full download of Witcher 3 when it comes out on GOG. Yeah, I saw that. This is pretty much the best day of my life right now. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty pretty nice gift of that for them to give all of the people yeah. who saw that game. Um, okay, 270, you are on the line. Uh, what is your name, where you're calling from, and what did you want to talk about? Uh, my name's uh, John. I'm calling from Kentucky, and actually I'm playing the, uh, the Destiny Alpha right now. Oh, wow. Well, well, well. How is it? Quit talking to us and focus. You're letting down everybody that you're playing. Uh, I love it. <laughs> uh actually I'm I'm really loving it and uh actually I'm the guy that uh made the ringtone for you for the show a long time ago and I'm also the guy that was talking to a Christian last week about uh would Nintendo double down on the Wii U or Vita. But as far as Destiny goes, I'm loving this game so much right now. What's your well, favorite part about the game from from the alpha? Like, what what makes you love it so much? Were you a big Halo fan, or is this tickling a new tickling? <laughs> is this scratching a new itch for you? Uh, actually, I'm probably going to make a lot of people hate me really quick. I've actually never played Halo. Um, I, I enjoy the fact that I'm running around like fighting a boss, and then all of a sudden people can jump in and start shooting with me and um it's just it's just something different that i've never actually played before this is exactly the thing we were talking about earlier this trend of this cooperative experience that everybody likes it's more fun playing with friends it's more fun playing with people who are working toward a common goal and i think i think there's another example of of this current zeitgeist right now so uh, i'm excited to get my hands on it as well um, we got another call here from uh, 413 area code. Uh, hello, what's your name? Where are you calling from? And what's your question about E3? Hi, uh, I'm Nate. I'm from Massachusetts. Um, I, I wanted to hear uh, what your game of the show was. Uh, that is a good question. We're getting some weird, uh, 
weird audio issues. Maybe that's tornado watch. Death but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about what you're hearing, Jeff. It's death from the sky. <laughs> uh, what what Ashley? What is what is your game of show? Oh man, um, that I played that I was able to put my grubby little paws on and play. I would probably say. Oh my God, it's a toss up. I would say between the order, which I really enjoyed. I, I overly enjoyed. Uh, I would say that and uh, I, Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah. Like, I'm really, I'm kind of obsessing over that game. Yeah, that is a beautiful, magical the, game. The platforming controls are just so tight and they're so good. And it's very difficult to do that right. And it, the game just feels so organic. You just pick up a controller and it just feels so natural to play it. And, it's really incredible what they've done. Yeah, I heard the Microsoft guys actually comment that uh, they had internal discussion about potentially starting their press conference with that game um, as a way to to set oh, the tone. They didn't. Uh, I think it's, I think that would have been kind of cool. Very very different if they had started with a a game of that tone. It would have really changed the whole tenor of that conference. But it's an interesting. It's a beautiful game, and I I can't wait to play it too. Uh, excellent choices, Christian. What what would you say? Are your games of show or game of show? Yeah, I'm trying to run through in my – it's crazy how quickly it becomes a blur, right, where you move from, from game to game to game. So I'll, I'll rattle off some – some yeah, games of show. And the way I'm defining it is just they were awesome and fun and great vertical slices and, and surprised me. You know, it took me – like I love that about E3 is the surprises where some games I play and it's like, yeah, that's great. I knew it would be great. Um, Splatoon is really high up there. Great game, as you talked about yesterday, the motion control – control uh, option works really well and is a fun way to play it i don't know if that's the way I'd, i would main the game per se but a new ip from nintendo definitely up there game of show super fun and inventive um and i i swear i'm getting no money for this and i know i love my vita but man counter spy blew me away like so cool and i just happened to tweet about it randomly and then john davison is the one that that hooked me up with dave he's like hey you should talk to the guy who makes who makes it and i was like uh Yes, please. Just gorgeous. It seems like my style of game. If that game is, you know, what my hands-on time with it represented it to be, I think I'm going to love, love, love that game. Um, and Drive Club, man, don't let me down. You, you, you know, you you tickled me with a feather last year, and then got delayed, and and now you're coming back, and you're you're gorgeous. And I always root for that my style of perfect racer where it's not too arcadey not too simmy and it's just perfect and it looks gorgeous and if that friend integration is like the next level of you know what burnout kind of pioneered with challenges and leaderboards and taking that stuff from um uh about twin stick shooters that are very popular or, or even you know trials if it really does all of that in this gorgeous gorgeous racing game that's super high up on my list and then um, the last one is, uh, come on, don't blank on me now, brain, keep going. Insomniac Games, Xbox One. Sunset Overdrive? Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Man, Overdrive? that game looks gorgeous, and my only hang-up on it was going to be if it controlled well. I think it does. Now my question mark is just how engaging is the single player. But based on what I was able to play, um, it lived up to the hype that I saw for it. So those would be, those are the games that I'm leaving E3 super jazzed about. Yeah, as for my picks, it's interesting. I was thinking, you know, I think my top two might be The Witcher 3 and The Division. And then I went, wait a minute. 
last year my games of show were The Witcher 3 and The Division. It needs to be games so you play, it's a, I say, because otherwise it's No Man's It's Sky. a little bit. Yeah, see, that's I wanted to say something that I yeah. put my hands okay, on. Okay, well, that's fair enough. But I, I would say that if I if, – yeah, No Man's Sky is certainly up there. But I, I definitely – I just was excited about both of those games so much. And then I thought a year ago at this time I was seeing the exact same two games, and that was a little sad. <laughs> it <me>. is. <laughs> but but, uh, but so if it's games that I put my hands on, uh, The Order – Batman, which I never thought I would say. I really thought I was tired of that franchise, but I was I was grinning ear to ear, giggling like a schoolboy, just doing fun stuff with the Batmobile, which was awesome. And um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Splatoon deserves a mention in there, although I don't know how obsessively I would play that game. I think it would be a fun diversion for a little while. Um, what other what other games? I I feel like No Man's Sky is the one that comes out of the the conference with the most momentum, um, but uh, and maybe and maybe uh, maybe Sunset Overdrive. I think Sunset Overdrive did a, a great job. It showed really well, and it makes me very excited that it's coming out this yeah. year, which is something I can't say for any of the other games I just mentioned. So that's a yeah. you know that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Uh, oh and oh yeah and Bloodborne. Uh, which I've talked about in previous shows. Oh, and Far Cry 4. That's the thing. I'm saying too many. It's, yeah, it's easy to get, many. you know, to joke, oh, 2015 or oh, a bunch of sequels, sequelitis. You know, I think this E3 was pretty gangbusters. I think the industry, actually, as you were saying, you know, it's the best time to be a gamer. You have games like The Order coming and you have, well, at the same time you'll play Ori, at the same time you'll play Smash Brothers. And dude, that's awesome. That's this was a good show. Uh, it's easy to be pessimistic, but it was, it was, a, I think, a really good E3. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I, you know, I think there was so much diversity in gaming. And I, there's a lot of, there are people in the chat room right now, like, saying, like, oh, we always hear how E3 should go away. And that's true. Like, there's so much cynicism in the industry. Um, we, we see it in tech all the time, too. And that just irritates me because... First of all, it's the same as gaming. It's never been a better time to live in the land of technology. I mean, we have such cool things now. And um, I still get enthusiastic about it. And enthusiasm is cool. And I, I I was so happy to see so much diversity on the show floor. It wasn't all, you know, a, a bunch of Mortal Kombat yeah. or a bunch of guns, guns, guns. Like, I mean, it was just really a lot of awesome, creative games from so many different kinds of Now we just need more diversity in our protagonists. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Don't get me started on that. Well, you'll come back. Let's do another show because I I, I do want to touch on that. Let's do a a special show. Yeah. We we were doing rehearsals for my show uh, tomorrow daily this week, and we do this thing that's a little bit like Weekend Update to start the show where we have sort of a headline and then a joke. And uh, one of them this week for rehearsal for me was uh, Ubisoft announced that they could not include a female assassin model in Assassin's Creed Unity because it would be, quote, too much extra work. And in a related story, wives and girlfriends of Ubisoft devs are withholding (laughs) sexy time for the very same reasons. (laughs) Well said. Well said. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I ranted about that last night, but it is it's staggering to me. The the just. It's a little silly. It's really it disappointing. Is. I think more than yeah. anything because Ubisoft knows better. I, that's a, that's the hard part. Uh, and I was appreciative of no the uh, of the Sunset Overdrive devs who made a made a point to say you can look 
however you want. The char- character creation is a big deal in that game, and and the, the character mm-hmm. that they show in all the all the uh, cinema is not the character. It's it's a character that you create. It's you. So, um, yeah. Which I you know, bravo. Uh, Ashley, thank you so much for. Uh, driving like a Batmobile out of hell to get here uh, and um, and hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. It was so awesome having you. I had so much Oh, thank fun. you. We got to have you back again sometime. And, um, I would and love it. And good luck on your show. Tell people how they can watch you and your stuff in the future. Yeah, okay. So um, if you guys didn't hear the intro, I, I work at CNET and I have a new show launching. It's been a few months in the making. It's a daily talk show and it's called Tomorrow Daily. And I will be hosting that starting on Monday, which is very terrifying and exciting for me. Uh, And I would love it if you would come by and check it out. And it won't be, you know, perfect, but we think it's pretty fun and we're all about enthusiasm and technology. So you can head over to CNET.com and look for Tomorrow Daily. Um, I will be forwarding TomorrowDaily.com to our show page as soon as it goes live on Monday. Um, but you'll have to wait a little bit for that. As of right now, it just has the logo. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're all about kind of the same thing that you guys do here, which is, you know, we really like to hear from our viewers and I'm all about that. And I'm I'm really excited to be able to you know, get people's input about all the different things happening in tech and gaming and, you know, geek culture and uh, and also have a lot of fun along the way. So I hope you guys will tune in for that. And you could always find me on Twitter. I'm, I'm a huge social media. Uh, I'm, I'm all over social media all the time. So it's just Ashley Eskeva. And my last name is, while confusing to pronounce, uh, it's spelled E-S-Q-U-E-D. Yes, I realized that I mispronounced it all, all episode. I apologize. Uh, that's okay. Some people have pronounced it quesadilla, so you got a lot closer than that. Uh, you were so gracious and did not correct me every time, and I kept repeating the mistake. I apologize for that. No, it's it's all good. I, it's it's a it's a very not traditional name that people are used to seeing. So, and the D it's Basque, so the D sounds like a th, so it's like the at the end of the name instead of. But the D trips yes, people up. Indeed. Uh, well. Thanks again for being on. Christian, what about you? What uh, what you got going on this week other than being in uh, a danger zone? I'm in a danger zone. I'll be back in L.A. Tuesday, the 17th, if you're in Los Angeles. That's the next uh, edition of my Nerdist Industries podcast and live stand-up show, What's New, which you can find on iTunes. Uh, or come out to the live show on Tuesday, the 17th. Um, Jackie Cashin is going to be headlining. You can Google or see her set from Conan. Got a great podcast herself called The Dork Forest. I'd love to see you at people at that show and then if you're on the east coast i'm in new york city uh the 25th through the 29th i'm doing two uh the show i created for ucb out here uh improv versus stand up we're doing i'm going to be on the show we spun it off for new york so i'm going to be on the new york version of that and then a bunch of other stand-up shows in new york city and um man thank you guys everyone that listened to this show and and chimed in and chatted with us this week doing these live shows. They've been so much fun. I saw, you know, at various points throughout the week, we were the number one video game show on the iTunes charts. And that's awesome and humbling. Um, and please keep giving those reviews. We love, uh, you know, it really helps the show. It seems silly, but that all builds into iTunes algorithm, which helps find new people to find the show. And, uh, you know, there are millions and millions of gamers out there and I'm super proud of what Jeff and I do on this show and what we put out into the world and having you guys involved with it. So help us spread the love. And thanks for being an awesome community. A lot of times E3 can become a bicker fest and you guys have been 
amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really humbled by this experience. It's been awesome. I second all of that. I also want to thank uh, David Nottingham and uh, Anthony Carboni for taking the time tonight to call in for the show. Um, thank you to all the callers. I'm sorry we couldn't get to everybody. There's a bunch of people still online that have been waiting for a long time, and uh, we really appreciate it. It's fun uh, changing up the time of the show. These evening shows allowed other people to call in that don't usually have the opportunity. But we're back doing our normal Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific time live shows uh, starting next week. So we hope that you can hang out with us then at 5by5.tv slash live. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to survive this. I'm going to pass out. Actually, I have to get on an airplane tomorrow morning and fly to a wedding in the Midwest, but, uh, this has been one heck of a week and I'm certainly grateful for everybody that hung out with us, that listened to the show, that downloaded the show, that sent in questions and comments on Twitter and, and by email as well. And five by five Thank you all. being awesome. Yes. And the producers, Zach and Miranda at five by five. Dan and Hattie always supporting the show and giving us uh, the room and breath. And Jason Snell <laughs> for Monday. <laughs> that was the nicest thing ever when he uh, stepped aside and let us have the time slot. So uh, we're really lucky to have a cool gang there and you as a cool gang hanging out with us. So without further ado, we'll wrap up this E3 uh, with one last Hype Train theme song. Let's yes. listen to it. We'll ride out. And until next time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Good night.